0: Hello Husky Faithful, it's Travis here, uh, coming to you after the podcast is recorded. Just a little bit of a heads up, I am a dummy. I only had my microphone jack about halfway in, so it sounds a little like I'm talking into an echo chamber for the the rest of the podcast. It's not unlistenable, and there's still a lot of really good information in there. Um, Probably one of the best podcasts that we've had, so... Just a little bit of heads up. Uh, sorry for the delay, and I will guarantee you this is a mistake I will not make in the future. So, I uh, just wanted to kind of give a little uh, a warning up front and uh, apologize to uh, you know all of our listeners. So, um, enjoy the show, and I'll talk to you next week. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things home ice related. You know, it, it reminds me of the Hot Ones episode with uh, Paul Rudd when they're, uh, when they're sitting there, they're at the last wing. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. That, that's kind of how I feel right now. I I was optimistic, you know, throughout this whole last stretch, but you know, fighting and clawing for home ice, and uh, here we are, and I gotta tell you, it feels good. Feels good to be home, and
1: even better that it was at the hands of Duluth, but at Duluth too. At Duluth, and uh, breaking a long uh, windless streak away from home, so now we get to bring the Bulldogs back to St. Cloud and. Do it again this weekend.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, think, uh, I like that there was a little bit of tenacity too, right? At, kind of at the end of last game too. Get some, get some, get some blood pumping. Get some, oh, yeah. get, get a little bit of bad blood here before, uh, before this for this weekend. Uh, I'm Wally uh, sitting here uh, talking with Andrew uh, about uh, really everything Duluth related uh, for the first part of this whole podcast. Just uh, kind of mixing in. Uh, recap of last weekend and then going into, um, you know, just mixing in, you know, it's probably going to be just the same old, you know, <laughs> we, we, we're we familiar with this team, you know, playing them, yep. um, what, six times in the last, you know, month, month and a half or something along those lines. Yeah, could so, be seven, seven um, games.
1: I'd i almost uh, bank on you know, bank on a third game. Yeah, I,
0: I'd rather i rather get I I'd like,
1: rather to get it done in two. But uh Something tells me just how tight this uh, this season's games have gone, and then just in the, the near future, or the, the near past, I guess, the last couple of seasons, every tilt between these two teams is is tight. So I'm expecting, I'm expecting that
0: again this coming weekend. So if you recall, let's hop in the Huskies Wayback machine and go back to 2012. Um, I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of the push for home ice and and that scenario versus this scenario here. Yes, just a little bit of recap uh, for 2012 for all of our listeners here. Um, you know, middle to lower half of the WCHA with you know about a couple weeks left to go, and basically Omaha just collapsed throughout the stretch run, uh, dropping game after game. Huskies were able to 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 kind of get within shot but they needed a long shot the last weekend. We were facing Duluth at home and Omaha was facing Denver, I believe. Yep. And it came down to the last game of the season. Uh Huskies needed to just outpoint um outpoint Omaha. And it got to the situation where both teams were tied in overtime. You know, so the games were played at the same time, um, and so all, you know, I remember being in the arena. Shout out to Dunkel, who's probably listening here. We were tied, they were tied. You know, if it's a wash, we would have had to travel over to Omaha for that for that series. Other, you know, if we would have uh, if we would have outpointed them, they would have uh, had to come here. And this was in the good and, old
1: the good old days of Jim Rich's favorite overtime format you get all the points it's five on five winner take all in the five on five um so at this point yes. there was no one point each already at this point still zero points had been taken away in both overtimes and uh, when and, things were simple when things were <laughs> a little simpler and Matsko even uh at that time was ready to pull the goalie who would have been the goalie then mike lee um it probably was in in that time period or Farragher. um anyway uh he was prepared to pull their goalie even in a tie game in overtime Uh, they were going going to do that uh but word came in that denver defeated omaha in overtime and once they got wind of that then they're like okay let's just play for a tie because at that point one point would have uh done the trick and that's exactly what happened it was mike lee and this that's exactly what happened and then uh saint cloud ended up sweeping uh, omaha on home ice the following weekend in the playoffs. so i I, what i remember is that and it's tough to put it all in context i remember
0: there was like a murmur within the crowd too like it was like a wave going through like oh my gosh that happened like does the bench know so we were trying to shout to let the bench know. And I think St. Cloud took a timeout in the overtime Okay. Uh, as well. And I think it was like, okay, they have to know if they're taking a this, timeout right now.
1: Yeah, because that, that, this would have been before I would have had a smartphone. So I remember there was a guy sitting behind us uh, in, in my section that he must have had an iPhone or something. And, and he was the one guy in our little row or two uh, sec- area that had heard that Denver had beaten Omaha. So that's how we knew it's like, it's kind of fun. It's only 10 years ago, but even technology yeah. has, has advanced so much that it's so more instantaneous now, whereas back then it still was, you know, I still had my flip phone. So um, yeah, but for my, I remember, I just, I thought that that was much there more were, of a- There
0: were no apps. There was no, no college hockey news yep. app to give us wrong scores anyway. <laughs> right. So it right. doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, so, but um, from
1: from my uh, memory, I just remember going into that weekend and then even just that last game, it was much more of a remote possibility that 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 Saint. Cloud would have come out of of it with home ice. And man, I know I know Duluth is pretty good. I mean that was the year after they won the national title and Connolly's uh, Hobie year. So they were a pretty damn good team and uh, Maybe it, if if it was tied going in that Saturday, maybe it wasn't all that remote. And Denver being Denver, uh, and Denver playing Omaha as as the history of that series, maybe I should have should have been more uh, optimistic that the Huskies would have gotten home ice. But compared to this weekend, uh, yeah, I mean after the after the Friday game, and it's like, all right, well you need to win a all you need to do is win a regulation game on Saturday, um, but tougher task on paper. Just based on the fact that St. Cloud's road, long road, winless streak, uh, it's tough to uh, take anything for granted or just say, yeah, just a just a regulation wins all you need. But once uh, once I thought St. Cloud came out of the gate playing very well and there were some waves of Duluth uh, playing, you know, bringing bringing some heat, but Towards that end of that third period, it, just, it it came pretty evident that they were going to win this game, and and so yeah, I didn't, uh, as we said last week, and I kind of expected a split. It's exactly what happened, but it was how I wanted it with a Duluth win in overtime and Saint Cloud regulation win, and, and it all shakes out to to bring the uh, series back to the Herb next weekend. So I'm all I'm I'm pretty giddy about that, and and giddy about the fact that they played a very good game on Saturday. And uh, just nice to see the team play well, you know, and it, uh, the playoff thing is just gravy. But playing well, and, and as we said last week, and as well, with keys to playing and keys for making a run in the tournament, defense, tightening up, and Renek uh, playing his A game. It's, these are the things that we wanted to see. And yeah, a shutout uh, where he had to earn it over 30 saves. And I thought he looked the best that he's played in, in months. And, and the defense I thought played, played pretty well as well on battery. Obviously with a shutout, it's easy to, to point to the successes uh, defensively. So th- these are the kinds of games that you're going to have to win in, in postseason. So hopefully this is a sign of, of good things to come for the next few weeks.
0: And we didn't get to really answer the question of whether or not, not Larson would have pulled uh the goal I think you should have. Um, you know, needing a win and if it was tied late, you know, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna end up pulling the goalie? Um you know, try to get the win to get home ice, um, you know, win. You still have a you know, potential loss of pairwise points if you do lose. Um, I think it was still kinda minimal risk reward or max still a big reward versus not a lot of risk because you're still on a very good side of the bubble. It was still a very, very sturdy bubble. Um, you know, like back in 2012, it wasn't that case. Uh, we were not going to make the tournament. Uh, so it was like this: this is the, the best chance we have is making a run in the tournament. And the best chance we have is being at home. So, um, you know, that's where I think my, you know, Moscow was going to uh, go ahead and pull uh, Lee at that point but you know who knows if Operat uh, Larson would have he I can kind of see I guess both sides of the argument but I I think it you know it would have been best to still pull him so but going over the weekend you know like you said Saturday it was it was awesome to see you know maybe it's no coincidence that you know uh, Donahue sat for that day and we had you know one of our best uh, defensive outings um, you know, not to say that it was perfect. Uh, there were still a couple of turnovers. I thought, you know, uh, Puritan you know, didn't have... Lidke kind of had a little bit of a rough weekend. And I think maybe that he just kind of got a little amped up in the situation. Um, you know, taking that penalty uh, to make it five on three on um, Friday. The the tripping call after the Brodzinski kind of no look running into the other teammate. <laughs> oh, that was... Friday's that 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 sign and that unraveling there it was just kind of a a sign that we weren't going to win that game. <laughs> you know, to 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 do that. But um but to come back on Saturday after that Friday kind of collapse again, you know, against a tough team having a multi-goal lead. We we lost it against uh Denver. We lost it against North Dakota and we lost it again against Duluth, but you know, coming back with a strong defensive effort, and like you said, Rennick playing incredibly well and you know, coming up big when he needed us, capitalizing when we needed to. It re energizes the fan base, I think, because I saw a lot more positivity around Husky Nation, and I think that's where you know, if if we feel it, I think there's no doubt in my mind the players feel it too.
1: Yeah, I agreed on. On your points there, I mean they, they they mentioned that Donahue was out by injury. I'm not sure. I haven't confirmed that. That's what the Duluth Announcers said on Saturday. I don't. I I don't remember him leaving the Friday game from injury, so I don't know what exactly happened. But um, I actually thought Jay Cox looked pretty good on Saturday. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't got a lot of ice time, and he's kind of been a punching bag for from my perspective, and. Um, uh, but I thought he stepped up. He even, he had a great pass just, uh, to Mietten and, uh, set up a, a pretty glorious opportunity in the, in the Saturday game, but d- defensively just from the back end, which is most important. Uh, I thought he was pretty strong and he's probably a guy that's been itching to get in the lineup and prove himself. I mean, he was a three year starter for this team and he's barely played this year. And, uh, so sometimes it's that opportunity that that comes out of nowhere and guys step up. I mean, at this time last year, were we even talking about Will Hammer at all? Uh, you know, and he steps up in the, in the tournament and plays a vital role in the frozen four run last year. And so the opportunities, you never know when they're going to come and, and who's going to step up in those opportunities. But this was one opportunity that I thought Jay Cox rose to the challenge. I agree that that pert looked rough again. um, And uh, hopefully, just this uh, postseason experience will again give him that experience going forward. That's going to make him a better player. I still have faith that he's going to improve. He's very young, basically a true freshman. Um, So I'm willing to give him the rope uh, this year. But uh, still, don't didn't didn't like to see his uh, some turnovers from his perspective. I didn't really feel like the power play was was. On point for St. Cloud this weekend. They did have a power play goal on Friday from Perbix, but not a really. Yeah, it wasn't like it was a, a power bad power yeah, play well,
0: going up until that goal.
1: And it wasn't really set up in a. You know, it's not like they had gained possession of the zone and were setting up, uh, passing the puck around like a traditional power play. He kind of just walked in to the to the middle and and beat Fanti with a shot. It wasn't a classic power play type goal that we've seen from this club and. Throughout the, uh, I mean, they didn't get. I think they only got one chance on one power play uh, opportunity on Saturday. Didn't do much with that, and and didn't do much with the other opportunities. And even uh, I thought gave up some. two two Grade A opportunities. The best opportunities on those power plays all weekend were from Duluth. One was set up from a pert uh, a turnover at the point. Can't remember who the other culprit was that that led to a two on one opportunity going back for Duluth, uh, and the other. In the other opportunity on Friday, but uh, it seemed like
0: want to say it was bushy.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the one of the seven. You know, um, not sure. But uh, so I thought the maybe bushy
0: was a different turnover. But
1: yeah, so the power play didn't didn't look great. But it's when we when we are um criticizing the number one power play unit in the country, we know things are generally going pretty good. Um, We got a stretch to stretch to criticize, uh, it's never a bad thing. Uh, yeah, I thought the, um, I thought the best line of the weekend and probably going back a little bit now, I've, I've really enjoyed the, um, the Cranula Okabe, uh,
0: line. Um, I it's, thought Okabe okay. for not showing up on the score sheet. I thought he did fantastic. He was, he's weekend. in
1: my notes as far as he uh, he's not my player of the week weekend. Uh, we can save that for a little bit here, but, uh, but he was, he was my number two and I feel like, I feel like he is maybe the most under the radar player. It seems like we never talk about him. Um, yeah. and I mean, he's a guy that's one of your top scorers. I think he's still the top goal scorer on the power play uh, this year. Majority of his goals come on the power play. Uh, and he's got the, yeah, obviously, he's got dynamic speed. Um, cor-
0: Fitzgerald has seven. Okabe and Henchis both have six. Six.
1: Okay. 26 points in 34 games. That's. I mean, it's not like you're not going to get Hobie votes. Um, but.
0: I I will take yeah I'll, I'll just, from the, take that. just from the
1: just so. from the standpoint that it seems like he we we never bring his name up too often and he's a key contributor to this team and this this weekend was a good example of the spark that he can bring and I thought the same thing from uh, from Cranola as well uh, I thought he played he played very well and and Miettinen gets a goal on Saturday it was. I mean, we'll take a whiff. <laughs> we'll take it. I mean, it. It was a up. It looked like he was. Yeah, he whiffed on whiffed on the two on O pass, uh, but I, it it at, kind of snuck at through. First,
0: I thought. At first, I thought that he planned that. At first, I thought he held on to it, waited for Fanti to kind of commit, and then slipped it in five hole. I hope that, that's what he's going see, for.
1: I hope that's the story that he's going for. <laughs> that
0: it was all a plan. <laughs> And then and then they did another replay where they kind of zoomed in a lot at, and I was like, no, that just hit the heel of his stick, and he just whiffed on it. So yeah. I think uh, I think the phrase is it's better to be lucky than good.
1: I think that so. I think that uh, that is apt. So and getting yeah, I
0: think Okabe kind of just gets overshadowed a little bit because Cornella right. and Mietnin are on that line.
1: But I think he's a he works well with those players. That there's a chemistry with that line, that is evident. And uh, yeah, he did get the assist on the Kranevold goal, the first goal on on Friday. So he, I think his contributions this weekend were more than just the one assist. And uh, yeah, that first what five seven minutes of Saturday, they look great, best that they've yeah. looked in a while against a great team. I mean, it's they, they look pretty good against cc last weekend but it's cc coming you know from the fact of it's a quality opponent you're playing that looked uh that first uh like i said five five minutes or so looked great and Your it was kind of like yeah
0: unbelievable And you're kind of thinking here
1: we go again where it's going to be a yeah. shot barrage for St. cloud and not not being able to solve fanty then uh then Hentges snipes one great shot End of the end of the first period, last couple of minutes of the first kind of between that was a a, a Duluth push, you know, after I think that St. Cloud got the first seven shots of the game, something like that. And I mean, Duluth ended up out shooting them 34, 24. Uh, And so basically two to one shot advantage after that first five minute rush for St. Cloud didn't feel like that, though. I mean, I think that a lot of Duluth's chances weren't so much great A's. They had, uh, mm-hmm. they had a handful of them, but a lot, a lot of the, the shots were, were from the outside and, and not high-quality chances, so the shot, shot advantage I think was a little deceiving because I think St. Cloud's chances were much better. Right? They had much more plum opportunities uh, with those 24 shots. So um, I thought St. Cloud played, definitely outplayed him on Saturday, and yeah, frustrating that you couldn't get the job done on Friday Especially I mean, overtime loss, it's not gonna hurt you very much pairwise, and I mean it's just a one point swing there. But the big thing there is it it uh it took the Wisconsin situation off the table, yeah. which we had been rooting for. And it's like even if if it was just a tie or if St. Cloud would have won that overtime, I mean, those opportunities would still be in uh in play for this 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 weekend. But we can't be too greedy, uh, I guess. So, uh, and, and just, I mean, yeah.
0: we, we can't, I mean, we can, we can, we <laughs> I can. don't know if it's right or not, but we can be that creepy. Yeah. So, I definitely was. Yeah. And yeah, that, that Hench's goal I think was just monumental in a sense of, you know, we can beat Fante. <laughs> you know, it was a situation where, you know, he was standing on his, on it on his head and doing incredibly well. Like you said, seven shots within the first, you know, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, somewhere very soon. And then we only got two the rest of that period. Um Bulldogs kinda came back with a with with a strong push and, you know, Fitzgerald made just a heck of a pass across and what a player, obviously, that Fitzgerald has turned out to be. I don't think if you would have. if you would have told me, you know, kind of back when he started his Husky career, you know, that this is the player that he would kind of turn out to be. And really even last year, too. I mean, I, I, I think he only had nine goals last year, too. So, I mean, you know, th- that was just kind of a, you know, we're fine. We finally got rewarded for, you know, for all of the work that we did against Vandy. And going in just with a one nothing lead, I, I thought it was just just huge, and um yeah, they were again able to you know be stout defensively, forced everything wide and didn't get a lot of great A opportunities and you know you, you thought you know it, you know as long as obviously they, they kept their cool, they minimized their mistakes, which is you know just played a little simpler hockey um that that it was gonna be very hard you know the, this bulldog team they don't have the firepower right. the, to come back um for many games and they have been known to kind of lay some eggs you know they last weekend they lost at miami uh, so it's not out of the realm that you know they, they have they have trouble coming back in certain situations you know, they, they know how to play with the lead and lock everything down and stop, stop goaltending, but if you're able to get up on them early and then minimize your mistakes, and that's – we clearly didn't do that on set on Friday, which is, you know, kind of let them come back, five-on-three uh, goal. And then, obviously, we didn't touch the puck in overtime, right. so we didn't even get a chance there. So all you people who think three-on-three three again is way better than a shootout, congratulations. That didn't prove anything.
1: Yeah, and it took the Wisconsin uh scenario off the table, which is just unfortunate. Uh so so yeah, I uh yeah, I agreed on all counts.
0: And one thing also I want to point out is that just everybody who likes to use the excuse, I just I just feel like Olympic ice is just a built-in excuse no matter what. Because our rink is different than everybody else, then that's Obviously, what you gravitate towards. Either you win or you lose. It's because of a different ice surface, and you can use that just as a blanket excuse. And I think that's where it's, you know, you pointed it out, I believe, on the last podcast that Western Michigan has had just as much struggles as St. Cloud has on the road in conference play against tough competition. And Duluth has been crumbling down the stretch, you know. Worse than St. Cloud has. So it's, you know, I just, I I think people need to kind of get off the whole theory behind the ice being a difference as to why we always lose or why we can't win. You know, and I remember there were other instances where, oh, it was national televised. We can't win when we're on national or we can't win in red jerseys or what was my favorite? Oh, uh, well, this was actually a Matsko special is, well, it's a different time than we're used to. You know, that was a five o'clock game, (laughs) you know? So it's just... You know, to 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 come out and play like we did, especially on Saturday on a small ice surface that everybody keeps, you know, kind of dredging up. Um, You know, it was I I thought it was just a big moment uh, for for our team to step up when they needed to, and uh, sure enough, they did.
1: Yeah, I I think that it I don't yeah I, I agree that I don't really have much or put much stock into the the different ice services being that big of a difference. Usually it's the other way around. Like I can see it more like you're used to playing on a standard sheet and going to the Olympic size sheet is, you know, it's, it's different and it requires more skating and, and all that. But going from an Olympic sheet to a smaller rink, I don't see that as being that much of a disadvantage. I mean, if you're a good skating team like St. Cloud is uh, on home ice, um, I don't see how that is really going to affect you too much playing on a smaller sheet. Um,
0: And that's what really boggles my mind is that people always like, Oh, well they can stretch out more and they're a faster team. It's like, well, first off, yeah, if you're a faster team, you're going to have the edge, no matter what the ice surface is. Yeah. So that already that argument is just dead right there.
1: Yeah. I'm on record to say that I think St. Cloud should, should get a, a standard sheet, but that's, gonna take a lot of money that they don't have and uh, so that's probably not gonna to happen to anytime soon but for the most part I want them to change it so this so this excuse gets off the table um, <laughs> so this it, excuse that's so like yeah don't... it just dies the other one that you missed was the uh, Colorado Altitude excuse which I always, ah, always love that one
0: I don't know uh, to be fair don't entertain it don't. <laughs> When I, okay, okay, I, I won't entertain it, but when you're there for about 15 minutes, you know, the first 15 minutes, you do feel a difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's, yes. I, there. I, I don't think, I don't think there's any, like, you get less oxygen and, you know, the sports psychiatrists or doctors or whatnot will try to spin anything they do to to craft their handy remedy and snake oil to kind of sell you to try to, oh, this will adjust the altitude to make you perform better or whatnot.
1: I think if it, if there was any uh, merit to that, CC wouldn't be a potential or a perennial doormat. Uh, They'd be a little bit better than they are. Maybe that, hey maybe that's the, maybe that's Denver's secret sauce, even though I believe CC or Colorado Springs is higher up
0: than Denver. So you'd think it'd be more, more of an effect. no, no, because Denver is Rocky Mountain High and Colorado Springs is downstream. So obviously it's at a lower altitude. Is this is this the lyrics from the John Denver song? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think he was mid writing it before his plane went down.
1: I'm not sure if John Denver knew it. He, he, John, what was it? John, John Denver is full of that John Denver is <laughs> full of crap. Because uh, I
0: don't, I'm
1: pretty sure the springs is has a higher elevation than Denver, but uh, I mean, probably
0: I have no idea. <laughs> no, I just, I just, thats just what Bear Bear Grizz, Bear Grills always told me about uh, water. <laughs> and we'll, high elevation. And then I'll take and his word for it room.
1: more than John Denver.
0: I don't know about that, actually, because, what, didn't he get caught sleeping in four-star hotel rooms while filming? Oh, Maybe really? Wild? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that uh, Holiday Inn, uh, Continental Breakfast,
0: you are really roughing oh, no it. Dear. Are you telling me that reality TV is a lie? <laughs> so, um, we're, you know, playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Uh, uh, playoffs? talk about playoffs you kidding me playoffs it's you know we're done with the gimmicks no more three on three no more shootouts hallelujah we're gonna be straight hockey for the rest uh for the for for the rest of the season uh these three teams they went to overtime um or these two teams three games uh went to overtime and you know what do you, what do you kind of make of that? What do you think, you know, what do you kind of see for happening over the weekend? And, um, just, you know, what does St. Cloud kind of have to do, do you think to keep this momentum, uh, on their side?
1: Well, the easy answer would be to keep, keep the defense. So if, if, if Rennick can, uh, shut them out the rest of the way, I think they got a decent chance of beating them in the playoffs. That, um,
0: that, that's usually uh, a pretty good uh, recipe for I success, might be wrong. Unless it's I a zero, 0 tie, but uh, we yeah. can't tie anymore. So. That's right.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in general, St. Cloud, I think, has the clear advantage when it comes to offensive uh, skill and depth. And I think Duluth has the advantage in general on the defensive and goaltending uh, side. But if St. Cloud can play the kinds of defensive game that they played on Saturday. And if Renna can, can play as well as he did, then that negates the defensive edge that Duluth has. And that's a good sign for St. Cloud. I don't think you're going to score four or five goals on, on Duluth. In some ways, it's a great uh, uh, team to play going into the NCAAs, I think. Because these are the kinds of games and the kinds of teams, like we mentioned last week with Quinnipiac, not the highest high uh, flashy offense, but they don't give up much uh, defensively. Same with the team like Notre Dame. I'm just picking these teams from the six, seven, eight, nine range, because that's likely who they're going to play in the, in the first round of the tournament. So these, these types of teams, uh, Notre Dame's Quinnipiacs, uh, is generally going to be, I think a tough test for, for St. Cloud team that I think when you, you know just naturally they play a more high high energy uh offensive first uh, game plan while well, getting getting some practice against the Duluth and, and and a bunch of it as we've said six games maybe seven within a month span leading right into the playoffs i think is going to be i think is a great uh introduction leading into uh into, into the NCAA so um uh, so, yeah, I hope that they can continue uh, this this defensive uh, style. You could tell that, I think, that third period, playing a little bit more trappy, uh, and that's gonna, that's natural. We're going to see more of that, I think, going into the playoffs. Having a two-goal lead like that. Uh, and I remember, I texted you saying, God, I, it's honestly you need the third goal here. Uh, because you figure if Duluth is going to get one, Uh, It it was going to tie it up pretty quickly after that, that make the whole two goal lead jokes as you can. But we saw it on Friday. Uh, It seems like once, once the momentum swings there and Duluth pops in one, you knew that it was only a matter of time until they tied it up. And, but on Saturday, they didn't need that third goal as it turned out. And so that's just a a testament to how well they played defensively uh, throughout the weekend and especially on Saturday. So yeah, if this is the, uh, this is the style of play that we're going to see the next few weeks, I'm I'm all for it. And it's good that I think we're getting a good workout, uh, in practice here, um, leading up to, uh, leading up to the NCAAs and and obviously the NCHC tournament first with, with a team like Duluth, that's gonna, it's gonna sharpen your defensive skills, um, a lot better than if you were to play a, you know, a Miami or a bottom feeder, let's say. So so I'm I'm all for it. I, I like I like this matchup, and obviously I love the home ice advantage there. And uh, I'm ex- I, I would I would I, I think whoever would have been home, gotten home ice, that's why I would have given the advantage to. So I think with St. Claude grabbing that whole ice advantage, I have a good feeling about this weekend. But what I said might take three games. I I would not be shocked, and almost would almost expect a Sunday game, which might be. I mean, here's a interesting thing because he got daylight savings on sunday here's an excuse for you the daylight savings oh, on geez. sunday so you get it you, you lose an hour of sleep um so that sunday game might be a grind if there is one mm-hmm. even more True. even more reason to get it done by saturday
0: when it comes to duluth i feel like more than any other team they capitalize on momentum And I think maybe it's because they don't have the scoring power of a Denver for that, you know. So their goals mean a lot more because I I feel they don't give up nearly as many goals and they don't score as many. But, you know, they're able to capitalize on the momentum like they did on Friday. Saturday, we didn't give them a chance to get that momentum because I think if they would have popped in one, I think they would have got two and we would be probably have a whole different story when it comes to what we're talking about. You know, countering that momentum and, you know, just just playing simple hockey if you've got a lead just goes such a long way, and especially against a team like Duluth. And I think that's what needs to happen. Um just playing smart hockey, not necessarily, you know, going into a shell and just hanging on, but you know, just just making smart decisions versus getting a little bit too cutesy, which at times I think we still did. I think um, uh, Brodzinski tried a behind-the-back pa- pass, drop pass, you know, going into the... that uh, Duluth was able to kind of counter. So it's, you know, those are the types of games, like you said, the, you're going to have to win these types of games. And I think it's a perfect opponent as a tune up to get to the um, NCAA tournament, uh, win or lose. I even think that if we do get swept, I I think that's going to be good motivation going into the tournament. I can see a lot of positives coming out of that. I obviously see a lot of positives with us winning. So it it actually wouldn't really kill us to have an off weekend. (laughs) And that's kind of, I've never really felt that way or thought that way about, you know, a little bit of rest, but we've we've had a gauntlet here um, towards the end of the season, and that includes um, extra Tuesday games. So I don't, you know, as long as we play solid, you know, if we we lose the series, we lose the series, we win it, obviously that's awesome, and let's go to St. Paul. I think we will, but, you know, I I think this team's going to come back to the first round of the regionals incredibly hungry if we do uh, kind of bow out. Um, of the conference tournament. So that's kind of a take that I don't think a lot of people have. And, um, you know, maybe I'm just, I'm either on something or onto something. So, there you go. Uh, what is that? As your,
1: as your buddy says. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of these teams. It's it's likely that both St. Cloud, I think St. Cloud, they're on the vaunted CHN Probability matrix insert sound effect here. Uh, they're, at they're at 100% now. And Duluth's high 90s, I think. Both teams are going to make the tournament. So it's most likely. Uh, and so,
0: one here's of these a nightmare th- scenario for me is that we sweep this weekend and then Duluth wins the national championship. Oh, it, I, I mean, because <laughs> I, can I see just that thought, happening. I just
1: thought, cause I'm like, yeah, Duluth gets a week off and then here comes another frozen four. Here comes another <laughs> natty with a 17 and 17 team in the tournament. If anyone can do it, uh, Duluth can. It,
0: it'll be Duluth. 2011, they lost to Bemidji in the, uh, in the, the, I don't know, super six. <laughs> At uh, six games, right. I think at that time for the final five, um, uh, but and then I think I'm trying to think. Obviously, when they won their last one, they beat St. Cloud in double overtime.
1: Yep. Lost the third place um, game in 2018. We mentioned that. Yeah, a in 2018,
0: weeks ago. yeah, they, yeah, they, they lost but that third. They, pretty they sure. Got swept out. So. Den-
1: one of Denver's, I think, in the years one of those national titles, uh, they lost the first round series, I, I think, um, and so it, it's happened. And I know they lost uh, they lost the CC in a playoff series a couple years ago, and then they ended up making the Frozen Four, I believe that was the ASC year. So Saint Cloud helped them there. Um, so yeah, it's it's happened, and there is a argument to be made about is the rest more beneficial than winning. I, from my perspective, you want to win every game you play. Um, Obviously, yeah. so I am not gonna cross my fingers here and especially with it being Duluth like no I don't want them to win anything you know, more than they already have so uh yeah beat them this weekend and and, talk, and and you got the extra day of rest now in the regional so oh uh, yeah that's true. maybe there's your Thanks, maybe Kyle. there's your off uh off weekend. actually there was a and those
0: 11 a.m to the start times that uh that the west has well, uh, the albany regional
1: i know that Moscow has been the the one there that everyone's blaming that he was the reason that they made that change but i heard an interview chn interviewed brad barry and in the interview brad barry's like that's us we were the ones that did that it was because of the five overtime game uh wanting an extra day in there in between so barry's Barry's the one I'm sure that, I mean, I would assume that Matsko probably also chip chimed in, uh, whenever they were uh, discussing that rule change, but, but Brad Barry seems to think that he's willing to take credit for that as well. So we can blame him too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not credit. It's definitely blame. So, um, so over the weekend, uh, your go Huskies woo player of the weekend. Uh, who, who you got? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I said
1: uh, I, I mentioned that Okabi was was up there. Um, you know, I liked Henches again with that with that snipe on Saturday. Um, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, God. He looks good. Yeah. Henches yeah, looks
0: so good. So much confidence. Yeah,
1: and, and you know, giving him Perbix
0: mostly does every once in a while. He'll have a little bit of a haircut, Perf- but I think that also is good comes too. With, I think also that comes with him logging twenty five yeah. <laughs> minutes. You know, he's going to have. Okay. So there was
1: definitely some candidates this weekend, but I'm going to go with uh, with Davey uh, with with, Renick. Go with Rennick. Go Rennick!
0: That that is actually who Go Huskies Woo proud sponsor. Um, he did also pick uh, David Rennick uh, for 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 the um, uh, Go Huskies Woo Player of the Week. Now, your why why Rennick? I just for the
1: Saturday game uh, he he impressed me. Uh, and even that Friday, I didn't really care for the first goal on Friday, uh, a rebound chance that kind of snuck through, uh, and, and that really turned that game around. So I wasn't blown away, uh, on Friday from him, but Saturday he, he earned his keep and I just, uh, I feel like he's, he's an X factor, uh, going into to the postseason here. He plays like that, and 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 getting his confidence back as well. There is one one opportunity that made my heart skip a beat or two, where there was a uh, you know It was a clearing attempt that wasn't gonna be wasn't gonna be an icing, but it was on net. But then if you saw Renek went to play it, but he 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 moved out from the net. So if he would have missed the puck on his stick, it would have dribbled in the net, and it would have been a terrible goal. And the puck was a little bouncy, too. It was like even the announcers said, ooh, kind of a risky play there. But he used that to, to then clear the puck up the ice and cr- create a, uh, yeah, a transition there. It's that kind of stuff where it's like maybe his confidence is getting back because we'd seen that very much. So yeah. was the case early in the season and obviously last year in the playoffs. Uh, and a confident renac is my favorite renac it's the down on mm-hmm. down on the dump sort of woe is me, Eeyore uh Davy is not my favorite brand of Renek. Um so getting that seeing that his confidence and maybe a little bit of the mojos back, and maybe it's just he's now he's like, I got nothing else to prove here except playoff time. Uh he's been there for five years, and we know of the playoff disappointments uh, before before this year, earlier in his career. And then we've also seen the, uh, the upside, the, the good uh, po- postseason Renak. And maybe he's just like, let's just F this. Let's, just, let's win the whole thing. Uh, and so that's what gives me hope, is just that to see sure. not, the, not only the confidence back, but the results to back up that confidence in the shutout, 30-plus saves in a shutout against a good team on the road in a big pressure situation with home ice on the line, yada, yada, yada. All that kind of stuff makes me uh uh makes me happy,
0: and you're forgetting the assist on Friday. That's right. That's right. Makes the score sheet. <laughs> makes the score makes sheet. The score sheet as well. Um, it that Friday first goal was weird. It was, you know, Tanner Ladderood was you know just kind of working. I think. I think. like like Rennick just kind of pushed off with a skate, opened up the five hole a little bit. And I think the shot just kind of surprised him a little bit. And uh, you look at all, all of those goals, you know, could you, could you say the rink size made any factor in that? No, you can't. (laughs) So it was kind of a, I mean, it was uh, a
1: shot from the point. It was kind of a broken shot. I didn't think it was much of a scoring chance, but then didn't handle it very cleanly. And then the, the rebound attempt was kind of more of a poke, by by route that that snuck in the, the five hole. I'm not going to beat him up too much for the weekend. I'm giving him the player of the weekend uh, so we don't have to linger on maybe his worst moment. Well, but
0: well, but, yeah, but but I mean, it was I mean, that was weird. And that was just kind of a fluky, weird thing. But then obviously, uh, you know, the backdoor five on three, which I thought was an amazing yeah. set piece yeah. by Duluth. That was a beautiful play. Yeah, not much you could do. Um, there. And then obviously the, the gimmick overtime is a gimmick overtime. Yeah, we don't so. need it, yeah. Doesn't matter, um, but yeah, I I mean I'm hard pressed to to disagree with you, um, or to find somebody else. Really, I, I thought he played absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I thought I thought Cronulla also played a great weekend, and um, you know, just again, you know, someone who's just not been a factor. Just gonna, Nolan Walker, Walker. I was going to just is, say. Just. I was gonna say that
1: that line with him and Brodzinski took a crap ton of penalties this weekend again. and I thought some not good penalties. There was some there was good penalties to take. He was not taking good penalties. Uh, yeah, I remember Walker on Saturday. I heard his name somewhere in the third period or something. I'm like, God, where has he been all game? Because I haven't barely seen his you know number twenty and heard the name at all.
0: He was invisible. So, um, and then also like Kevin, of in the, in, in the same with. And just also, you know, getting getting that goal on, you know, at the end of the first period I thought it was just so massive. Yeah. And just, I thought he was just a buzzsaw all over the ice. Yep. You know, he's just been looking so good. So hopefully that keeps up this weekend. And, uh, yeah, we got playoff hockey. Other conferences were in playoff hockey already um, with, you know, whatever format that their conference comes up with. I need a flow chart to keep track of everything. <laughs> so, Um, you know, just kind of going around the league and, you know, if, you know, kind of looking back where we're standings, let's, 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 let's stick in hosts here for the NCHC. What do we got this weekend? Obviously, you know, we're hosting Minnesota Duluth, uh, rest of the rest of the conference matchups. Uh, we, we got, uh, we got the split pen Rose winners. Yep. So first first time that
1: that has happened. And so we mentioned last week. North Dakota, we were kind of like, eh, they seem to be closing in and needed, Denver needed some help in order to get that done, but uh, but Omaha, okay, got to give it to them again, uh, plays a good weekend, ties the game late, last minute goal in the third, and then uh, Del- Dakota wins in overtime on Friday, but then Omaha beats them on Saturday to uh, to create that tie because Denver sweeps CC as expected, so Denver actually gets the number one seed. Uh, Meaning that they will play Miami and and North Dakota playing CC, which I think is like the sixth time that North Dakota is going to is going to host CC in the NCHC playoffs. Seems like every year they play that they play CC in the playoffs. So that's your one, two. And then the other series is uh, Western Michigan hosting Omaha, um, which, uh, you know, Omaha or uh, Western Michigan was able to to sweep Miami, uh, you know, bad Miami team. Um, I think that one, just the way that Omaha has played in the last three weeks, um, I remember at the you know, beginning of that six game stretch, he had all home games. I mean, keep that in mind. Um, but still, uh, St. Cloud, Denver and North Dakota in six games. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they're toast and, and getting out of that six games four four regulation wins. And then another over to you know, one going to overtime, only one regulation loss out of that six. It still is not enough for them to to move into uh pairwise territory. Um, because those that the three and five against Miami and CC killed them. Uh, and that's gonna be the reason that they're gonna probably not gonna make the playoffs. But I mean, other than the four or five matchup, which, you know, it just by the numbers is the most likely that could be an upset. Um, I'm thinking that Omaha is going to give Western a, a decent series there. And they, they, they split their series out in Kalamazoo. They only played the one series this year in Kalamazoo yeah. and it was a split. Uh, Omaha was able to win a one, nothing game out there. So the way that they're playing the way that, as we mentioned, Western's kind of been fading down the stretch, uh, you know, did, did get off the mat with a sweep of Miami. So I'm expecting that to be a decent series. If, if it, I mean, my, our Omaha has got to shake the, uh, monkey off its back when it comes to playoff success. It's been, I, I looked this up a few weeks ago. The last time they won a playoff series was in 2010 when they were still in the CCHA. Uh, and that was when they were doing two best of threes on campus before they went to the Joe. So the last time they've made the, uh, the neutral site step of a playoff, uh, or uh, of a postseason tournament. A conference postseason tournament is 2005. That's not counting last year when everybody was playing in in North Dakota. So not counting that. I'm just talking about either either the X or Target Center or Joe Lewis when they're in the CCHA. It's been, like I said, 16, 17 years since they've made that that uh phase of a conference tournament. So they've got to buck the trend of history and uh and make it to the to the XL Uh, for the first time in the in the NCHC and going back even further in their other conferences. We shall see. I still like Western in that series, but I do think that that Omaha has uh, has played very well uh, of late and uh, probably playing better than than Western is at this point. So would not be surprised to see an upset there or at the very least going going the distance with a three game series there. The other is obviously Denver and North Dakota expecting chalk there and, and and i would even be surprised to see close matchups maybe i shouldn't say that though because we we circle back to briefly the ccha that my was way off on my minnesota state <laughs> st thomas thing did uh, you see the
0: video of uh i Blossy did going did you the see
1: did you see the, what he was mad about
0: the, I did the game see winning
1: goal was go. kind of uh, similar to the, uh, non call in the gopher game where you could, there was, I, I freeze framed it. You could tell, you could see a moment of the Mankato guy yanking the back of the Jersey, uh, to, to hold him up, uh, on that, on that play, uh, to, to set up the last goal. But you would have told me that, I mean, I said, I mentioned, I, I the, the whole bit was 12 and a half as a goal margin. I wasn't, even remotely thinking that St. Thomas had a chance to win a game and they were leading, they were leading one, nothing after one and two to one after two. I would probably, I mean, I, I want to, I would like to see some, some pairwise history here, but I'd be willing to venture if they would have won that game or, or any of the games against Mankato this weekend, it might've been the biggest upset in college hockey history, just from the pairwise perspective. Cause literally Mankato's number one and St. Thomas is dead last in pairwise. And this yeah. isn't, this is the late, you know, this is the playoffs. We're in March. It's not like the, it's not like October and the pairwise is, is goofy. This is set and, you know, this is pretty unmovable pairwise at this point of the year. And if that would have happened, I can't think of another. I, I, I would. I'd like to, I'd be curious to know if there's if that's ever happened where the last place pairwise has beaten the number one. I can't imagine it has. So, uh, props for them to to keep that one close. It, it was eight to two in the second game, so I feel a little bit better uh, about that. But did not see that coming. But I, I guess we should get back to the uh, NCHC, If you have any, if you have any thoughts about the uh, the playoff matchups,
0: um, regarding. North Dakota and CC I feel like obviously I think North Dakota's going to win that series but I do feel like one of the games it either might go to 3 games or one of the games is going to be stupid close really? and I think that's kind of how North Dakota does it like cuz they'll they'll have it where like maybe they'll lose on Friday or something that they've done this to me ever since I've gone to the final five, <laughs> you know, you know, there's like a glimmer of hope that they're not going to make the tournament, you know, or something like that. And obviously they always end up making the, the neutral state tournament, but it, it's just, you know, history has kind of shown me that every, you know, one of those games might be a lot closer than it should be, or even, you know, CC might have a lead going into the third period before North Dakota turns it on. Um, So I don't think it's going to be that dominating. I do think the Denver series, I think Denver's just, that's going to be a bloodbath. Um, I did tweet out, you know, when you were talking about Omaha and and Western, you know, they did split. um, Two teams are definitely going in opposite directions, you know, not only, obviously, the on-ice product, but also the off-ice with all the issues going on there with Western Michigan. So it's, with it's kind of an interesting dynamic i know i am you know fairly high on omaha especially how they've played against a lot of the top brass um in the nchc but uh, you know look, you brought up their playoffs um and their record and not only that but they're 2-13 and 13 in the playoffs in the nchc two wins <laughs> so that's like they're they're not even sniffing neutral site <laughs> and it's no like, i mean uh, the, it,
1: I, if you're being the optimist here it's like well that doesn't matter squat coming into this weekend history is ancient history and they it, that that doesn't play any effect on this upcoming playoff series it's just i think from a cycle it's more from a fan's perspective yeah, like here we go again
0: like so, um, so yeah, I, I did. I did tweet that out that that's going to be the most compelling series. Um, and then actually, I just got a response from Bronco Hockey Fan Page because I also said I didn't know if Western Michigan's going to be on spring break because I think that's also a big thing. Is if the Lost Lunatics aren't there, um, I think that's going to be kind of a big advantage there for Omaha. But, uh, said the students will be coming back early. Sorry if you were expecting them not to. So I'm like, you think I have a big Omaha fan, <laughs> like thanks thanks Bronco hockey fan page. I got to think a witty retorts. There's, well, there's at least one know,
1: at least one lunatic will be there.
0: Yeah, at least, at least one guy will be there. So, um, yeah. So it's that's you know kind of what I expect. I do th- I do like Omaha's chances by how they're playing, but I do wonder. How much of that is just perception and how much is based on actual facts? You know, I'd like to actually go back someday when I'm bored. Like, look at the stats of how, like, maybe last 10 games into the playoffs and kind of see where, like, if these trends are playing well, how much that actually does correlate to success in the playoffs, you know, you know coming in. So... I don't know. It, it might be something where it's just fan service or, you know, fans will pick on, up on it or, you know, that's a storyline. But it'll be uh, I, I think that's going to be a really compelling series. Obviously, um, the bulldog series is going to be a really compelling series. Uh, that's got I feel like one of the games is going to go to multiple overtimes. Um, it seems like we, multiple over. You're talking Duluth, the St.
1: Cloud and Duluth. Yeah, it's at least two overtimes. All right.
0: Yeah. It just it it, it just always seems to happen when we meet in the playoffs. So, um, yeah. So that's it's uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking, you know, just from top to bottom. I think these are probably the best matchups from an entertaining standpoint um, that you could probably have. Um, But obviously, you got everybody kind of in the middle there at the NCHC with being so deep, it's uh, hard to, you know, have a bad series when it comes to some of these, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the middle tier, obviously your outliers are going to be cakewalks.
1: But it's, as you said, and I think that in those several series that CC has played up in Grand Forks in the playoffs, I think they've taken a game, a few of those series. So, uh, yeah and i mean hey miami took denver to overtime uh in in the last month or so whenever they played out played out there so uh so that's not a given either yeah even though i' definitely that that would be a minnesota state uh saint thomas sort of like i would be shocked if if Miami were to take a game there but uh i also now that the season is over and the standings are cemented, we could return to uh, the preseason predictions that we made, I did actually listen to. Oh, the lovely! Yeah. You're holding
0: me accountable. Well,
1: me too. Uh, I wasn't any better, uh, and uh, and also the media poll, kind of putting all three of them side by side. Not much variance in in all of them, but uh, we were we were very similar, and I guess I win because the only the only thing we had that differentiated it so we all had st cloud number one uh, north dakota number two denver three duluth four miami seven and cc eight we both of us agreed on that the only difference that we had was i had western at five and omaha at six and you being the resident omaha fan on this podcast had omaha at five and western michigan at six So I suppose uh, because I had Western higher or the fact that the only place that any of us nailed was Omaha in sixth, and that was me, I'm going to take a victory lap there. Uh, (sighs) Fine. The media poll had SESU, Duluth, North Dakota, Denver, Omaha, Western, Miami, and CC. That was the media poll. So that was not very none nothing was correct in the place order in in that uh and so it, we we can see we can laugh at at it laugh at it now as far as it's and listening to our talks about it um and uh and just the media as well uh with their first team i mean they, they selected a a first team preseason uh all-star team as well. Oh, I my was, God.
0: Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah I was we'll surprised.
1: Well, I'll, I'll wait on that. Just in general, I'm surprised at how low we were and the media about Denver. Uh, even in our episode, we are like, yeah, it's, it's don't really know about Denver. Yeah, and they looked like a sports car this year. So I thought we were all off on that. We were all... I think... I think we, it,
0: it's funny because I think we... At least I talked a little bit about, I remember talking about the transfer portal and picking up some of their guys that, you know, Denver picked up some, and I really underestimated that. um, I think I, you were
1: more, you were, you were more about, yeah, all these like six Bowling green guys had a hundred points that went to different places. And I'm just like, yeah, you're not going to, I mean, you're just going to get grinders out of the transfer port. You're not going to get a stud, right? Uh, how naive I was. <laughs> and we even mentioned on there that, uh, that Denver picked up that Cameron, Wright, One of those bowling green guys. And he ended up being one of their top scorers, top yeah. goal scorer. I think, uh, not their top point scorer, but I think their top scorer. they even, they, we mentioned that the this Hank Crone that was on the team last year, he, they actually lost him in the transfer pool to Northern Michigan. And he had a great year. He was like top 10 scoring nationwide, uh, for, for Northern Michigan. So they were able to patch up, uh, you know, they lost some guys, but they also brought in some guys and it it turned out very well for them, but I, I was surprised because they were one of two teams that did not have a player represented on that post preseason Uh, First team, uh, whatever uh, all star team, Denver and CC were the only teams that were shut out, Uh, and it's like (laughs) I'm sure Denver's gonna they'll be all over the postseason award sheet uh, for for that. So the so the first that that preseason all star team, I thought they nailed the defense, Uh, Sanderson from UND and Ronnie Adderd from Western Michigan. I think that's pretty. Two pretty solid picks, even though Sanderson's been out for a while. I mean, he, he was injured earlier yeah, in the North year. North still been on a really good right, run. I'm not even sure if he played this weekend. I watched a little bit of those games uh, against Omaha. I don't Omaha. think he did. But he I had, he I mean, it, he barely played in the Olympics because he got COVID right away. So it took him a while to even get there. And then once he played, I think the first game he played, he got injured. So I'm not even sure if he's back or I wonder what his status is coming, uh, going forward but i thought those were two good picks adderd i thought was i keep the i stud. keep
0: hearing it's day to day but every day it's another, another day to day so yeah. it's but, it's quickly gone from week to week
1: yeah so i thought those two were good picks for the for the defense uh, here's where we're getting yeah. some some eye raisers their goalie of the year pearson from miami i don't <laughs> think not sure if that uh we- I'm not going to get on the podcast.
0: Them, we talked about that, right? Did we We did. And I we were seven. both
1: surprised just because they were picked 7th. They ended up being 8th. And it's like generally you don't pick the 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 low, you know, one of the bottom feeder teams really in any for any of the preseason uh honors uh but that one's yeah, that one stuck out and uh, as as kind of a really but and yeah, I I, how let's how did his season end up Cause I, I know after the Huskies racked up that 19 goal weekend on him which he was left he gave up all of those goals
0: yeah I mean,
1: his his goals against was over four I believe after that I want to see exactly what his uh what his final line was in the regular season yeah 621 and 2 389 goals against and 8 894 save percentage don't think he's going to get many first place votes. Um, for you know, that's
0: do. actually a little bit better than I thought it would be after the wedding in 19. <laughs> in yeah, the 8,
1: 894 save percentage is higher than I thought, but he probably faces a crap ton of shots. So, yeah,
0: that's you know, true.
1: he gives up a lot of goals, but uh, he saves a lot just because he's seen a lot of rubber. So that one was a little uh, just a bit outside, uh, as they say. Oh, but... And then here's the uh, here's their forwards. Noah Cates from, from Duluth, which, I mean, he didn't have a great point season, but he was, you know, Olympics and, and all that. And I, I don't think that's a laughable pick. But then you had uh, Mietnan from St. Cloud. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think that one aged very well. And then the other, Chase Primo from Omaha. And he had a down oh. year as well. Uh, he was hurt for about a month, uh, but he had three points uh, on Saturday against uh, against um, North Dakota to put him at 22 points for the year. And he's a guy that has, I, I think, been kind of a disappointment. Uh, so surprised to see that he was. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'd think that that Ward. They've got some other guys that I'd I would say are more valuable than. Then Primo, and maybe maybe it's been an injury riddled season for him. Like I said, the first time that St. Cloud played him uh, in uh, November, I believe it was he was out for for that series, and like I said missed about a month. But yeah, four years now, seventy one points in his career. So it's not like he's been dazzling uh, for Omaha. So yeah, this gives you an, op- an idea of you know expectations at the beginning of the season it's taking a snapshot of what people think, um, uh, early, a lot of times it, it becomes a much different picture, uh, you know, the six months later. So did want to
0: pre preseason. Everything is just garbage. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so I wonder, I wonder and, how and to do put you... in
0: perspective, um, you know, looking at the player stats, you know, for, for the conference, for the top five are Denver, yeah, Bobby Brink, Carter Savoy, uh, Brett Stapley, and Cole Gutman, all all in the top five. Um, sandwiched in between is Drew Warroad from uh, Western right. Michigan. So, yeah, I feel like, and again, I'd have to I'd have to re listen to that podcast, but I believe I was like they. I think they had the potential, but you know, they had such a down year last year i i just i had a big question mark next to them
1: oh yeah uh, and, and i did so. too and but they did i mean because you you're you were very surprised that they got one first place vote and i bet you that was Schlochman. that was our boy schlossman uh even back then he was he was like watch out for denver and, and i think hey, he's been think correct he
0: was and i think he voted in first place in the in the Austro in poll. the national poll too in the us poll
1: yeah, all through it was October. hold
0: out for yeah for yeah. a long time.
1: That was a running bit uh, of ours. Is mm-hmm. who is this Denver guy? And and then he outed. And himself. sure enough, they're
0: going to be hosting in law. Oh, pretty yeah. much no matter what. So no,
1: I, I'd say they're the team to beat in the tournament in the NCHC tournament. Uh, maybe even the NCAA's. Who knows? Yeah, they're like I said, they're looking like a sports car. Um, you
0: know, just kind of uh, around the league. Then, if you want to quickly. Um uh go into that uh, around the thing that kind of st-
1: around the other around, leagues uh,
0: college hockey yep Yep.
1: Yeah, so uh, um,
0: one big thing that was a uh big surprise um you know overall and probably a big reason why St. Cloud jumped as much as it did was the uh, kind of the fall of UMass um you know i believe it was uh UMass that lost last week
1: yeah it got swept in a home and home to BC which cost them the uh regular season title I think
0: 7 to 12 i think they dropped
1: uh yeah something like that uh they still seem to be pretty solid uh yeah chn has them at 98% to get in um so and, and most of that is at, as an at large so they don't see them completely dropping the, the one thing about hockey east that kind of throws a wrinkle into it is that their entire postseason tournament is single game elimination. They're not playing series at all. So I think part of the reason that they're so high, as far as their probability goes, is that they can only lose one game. They, they can't lose multiple games in a series type of situation. Um, and so I think that's the main reason. And, and it also might, that, that is going to be a good thing for UMass. But that's also a bad thing for the for the teams on the other teams on the bubble because they can't make up a bunch of games with winning a two game two out of three series, for instance. So you got the clump of teams here in the bubble, Northeastern, which actually uh, ended up hopping uh, UMass to win the regular season title. That was one game, too, by the way, uh, that I I was hearing that some people are saying that Northeastern it was scoreless tie. And they had already uh, UMass had already lost in the after they played an afternoon game. And there were some people that are saying that you uh, that Northeastern who needed a regulation win to win the regular season title possibly could pull the goalie in a tie game late in order to do that. But weren't going to do that because they're so they're such on the bubble pairwise position be too risky to lose a regulation game on an empty net goal like that just to get a one seed in the. You know postseason tournament, and it ended up they ended up winning the game with like a goal with ten seconds left in regulation. So that's how they were able to win uh, the regular season title. But uh, Northeastern L- Lowell's right behind them, and then Boston University at sixteen, they lost a glorious opportunity to to get a higher seed by getting smoked at at Maine, a bad Maine team. That was a a bad loss for BU, who's been very hot uh but that's a killer loss for them um so these teams can only they can't make up a ton because it's all single el- elimination so there's going to be no benefit of gaining ground through a series situation and so i would still expect like at least two maybe three of these teams to get in be- just because there's there's not a ton of other options i mean ohio state which lost as we were recording here on Sunday night, they lost in the big 10. They're at, they're still at 15, which they started the night at, but they are done from the big 10 tournament. So they are not playing another regular season game and they're at 15. They're not going to get any higher than 15. And that means if one other conference, other than Atlantic hockey gets a automatic qualifier in they're out. And I would almost expect you could like a Boston university could jump them if they win, uh, their play their playoff game against UConn this weekend, I, they might be able to jump Ohio State. So, and then you got Clarkson at seventeen, another Providence, another Hockey East team at eighteen. Um, these teams are basically a need to win the tournament in order to gain to get to to get into the tournament. So, just by the numbers, I'm still thinking that Hockey East is going to get probably three teams in, but it's just who those three teams are. Still got Merrimack and and UConn all with a shot. So it'll be interesting how it all shakes out. But it's it's uh, it's an interesting playoff format that they've adopted um, because they're playing single games, as I said, for the entirety of it. And that means they're playing their their low their low seed matchups are on Wednesday this week. So you get the rare midweek playoff games and then even
0: rare for East Coast,
1: even rare for East Coast. So that means, other than the four or five game, which will be on Saturday, the the UMass or uh, UConn Boston University game, the top seeds there, so Northeastern, Lowell, and UMass, they'll be playing those winners of the Wednesday game. So those winners will be playing on short rest, which I think is an interesting kind of advantage. Um, for the higher seeds there you get you get to play a team with you're fresh they, but the they other should team. really
0: change that to put an extra day off right in between <laughs> yeah those, so, should, so you should don't have, have done that. that huge advantage
1: yeah uh so then so i'm wondering I, this is the first year that they've done this format i believe i don't think they uh, it might have been also last year i i would assume just listening to more eastern uh you know writers. uh, I I don't think that they, I don't think the coaches like this format. I would almost assume it was kind of put into place for COVID reasons. And I wouldn't be surprised if they return to a, at least the first round is a series of some sort. Uh, We shall see, I guess, but yeah, how that all sorts out between all of the uh, hockey East teams is going to be a, it's a big cluster right now. And we will only be able to, to weed out all the teams as they play these playoff games. Um, but again, looking to be, looking to be a Western dominated field this year, even with, even with, you get three, let's say you get three teams from hockey East and you got Quinnipiac and the Atlantic hockey qualifier. Most of those teams, other than Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac's at seven right now. And then you got pretty much everyone else at a four seed out East. So all it's very top heavy from the Western half of the country this year. and so. Uh, great year to play three Eastern regionals, I guess.
0: Yeah, you're looking at the logjam right now for Hockey East there. You know, we were talking about UMass, Mass Lowell, and Northeastern. I mean, they're sitting 12, 13, 14. And then you said BU uh, sitting there at 16. Uh, so, well, you don't have to worry about interconference matchups there. <laughs> right. So, um, that is taking uh, for you. And. Yeah, well, I'm happy that you said this is their first year because I wasn't really aware of what, you know, a lot of other conference tournaments, and I am always, you know, care. But I'm kind of surprised that because so much everything is stacked, you know, with the pairwise in mind, that there isn't at least some more uniformity when it comes to conference tournaments to make sure that every team has, like you said, these one-and-dones you know, are kind of cemented there because you, you can't get up any higher, you can't improve, you can't really fall. You're kind of just stuck there and you just, so your tournament life then really depends on a lot more of what's going on around you, which I guess is the pairwise in general, but I don't know, just I'm surprised there isn't more call for uniformity when it comes to conference tournaments. At least yeah, I, have, I have not heard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a challenge because the the conferences all have different numbers of teams. I mean, NCHC's perfect; you got eight teams. Same with CCHA; you got eight teams. That perfect math as far as everyone gets a first round series, and then that gets you to the top four. And you can go from there. And CCHA does that, but then everybody else has you know a, a bad number of teams. I mean, Big Ten has seven teams, so someone's got to have a bye there. Hockey East has eleven teams, so you got to do this first round. A play in game almost until the top eight. And then, and then you go from there and Atlantic Hockey's at 10 teams. I believe ECAC's at 12. The math is I a little suppose. bit better there. If you have an even number, at least it makes it a little bit easier, but I agree that I think that first you should play a series. You know, I don't like this, this, the, the hockey East having all these, even have it where maybe give the teams a buy uh, top seeds, a buy, but have some sort of series involved, I think is, Uh, I, I I would be in favor of that. I mean, I guess it's up to the leagues to do what, what they feel is best. Um, and like I said, I mean, hockey East used to have series. They used to have best two out of three for the first two rounds. And again, that was including lower seeds playing. You'd have top seeds have a bye week, but everyone would still have to play, uh, a series at some point um and then you'd get then you'd get to the final four where it's a one and done situation so they used to play that uh they used to have that format but I, i'm assuming that they've changed that for for covid reason and i just hope that they change back especially now that everybody else is is playing back to play in series in the playoffs um so yeah i agree some more uniformity would would be a good thing
0: yeah and then now with ohio state them getting bounced from the big 10 tournament which just came off the wire really as we're yep. recording. Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news that you guys already know because this is a podcast. Um so yeah, they're it's them being just just kind of stuck there, um, sandwiched in between all that hockey slog jam. So um I remember when the uh WCHA um, announced that they were going to home ice or, you know, back to the, you know, that they were going to do away from the neutral site tournament. And my big thing was, I didn't like that. It was play. It was a series up until the championship game. And then it's a one and done. That's, that's where I was like, if you're going to do it, just go all the way with it.
1: Well, now, and, I mean, it's even the semifinals are one and done now it's all one and done from here on out for both CCHA and the big 10 who copied the WCHA. They were, so the WCHA was the first conference to do that where it's going to be all campus sites. And then the big Mm -hmm. Ten's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll copy what the lesser league that we blew up. Uh, We'll copy them because we're, we're also, we can't draw at a neutral site uh, tournament as well. So both of those are from now on. So it's Minnesota, Penn state, And then uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, those are going to be single games this Saturday, and then it'll be a single game championship the week after. Same with the uh, CCHA, which you got uh, Mankato versus Northern Michigan, and uh, Michigan Tech versus Bemidji uh, in those series. So yeah, I
0: just just, who loses in a series situation? That's what I don't understand. I think I I just think it would be better all around if it was a series. I uh, I mean, what do you think? uh, I mean.
1: I prefer, I think people would agree, the stakeholders and everything would agree that the ideal would be a neutral site conference championship a la the frozen faceoff at the X. And you're obviously, you're obviously fine with a one and done scenario there.
0: I'm fine with a one and done scenario if it's a neutral site tournament format where you have, you know, semifinals, finals. Much like the Frozen Four, I'm fine right. with that, and I'm okay if if it's, you know, single or if it's uh, a series leading up to that to to go to that tournament. I, right. I I'm okay with that, but I feel like if you're not going to have the revenue generated from a neutral site tournament where it's like a uh, a gathering of all the conference teams, no matter who's there, which is which, you know, obviously the Final Five was. Um, back before you know the got blown up, and it's but but if you're moving that and you're moving it to campus sites, I I just I don't see like I don't see the downside of only doing a one and done. I mean it would it, it gives you more of a chance to help your pairwise. It gives you more revenue because there's a possibility of three games instead of just one. The only thing I could think of is that it's less of a draw for casual fans. But I I feel like you're going to, like, to draw on casual fans, you need the raucous atmosphere from your diehards to be invested in, which is why you're in campus sites anyway. And I feel like getting them on TV more often is going to be your benefit. So so I th- I think just all of that is like I just don't see a downside from only having a one and done on the semifinals and the final just for you know if it's on campus sites like, like I would I I just I just feel like you get more gate you get more interest it's you get a better opportunity in the pairwise I think it's just a win 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 all around
1: I would imagine that coaches wouldn't like the possibility of playing three games back. Like in that situation, you could play nine games in a playoff series in a playoff over three weeks. And my answer, I think to they that would be say, game, then from win a, them. I would say from a game load situation, they wouldn't like it. Plus, I would also, I, I'm a, I agree with you in general. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here.
0: Sure. I would probably well, should win that.
1: I would also say, yes, that's that's the that's the answer to that. Um, yeah. They would also probably come back to your casual fan kind of thing and say a one and done is how you get the casual fan there. I mean, you're, you're requiring two, maybe three games, a weekend's worth of games to get the casual. A casual fan just wants the one game where it's all raucous and OK, I don't need to think about this is game one, game two. I mean, the winner take all sort of thing. They're probably thinking the the dumb casual fan likes the that sort of uh, format. Again, I, I'm more on your side uh, with that, but uh, I'm sure that they would they would claim that the casual fan would like that sort of format better. I, I don't know.
0: Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we hop into questions?
1: Very quickly, uh, I just saw that Fairbanks is. They played a home series this weekend. They're done playing <laughs> their D one schedule this year. They've been playing. They have racked up all sorts of frequent flyer miles this year. They played the majority of their schedule on the road. They've been to Maine. They were, they had like a six week road trip at one point going from Maine to Vermont to Minnesota to Arizona state to back to long Island, just hopping all across the country you're finally done playing the D one schedule. Then I see that they're going out to play the U 18 team on Wednesday night, <laughs> leaving Alaska, going down to the Detroit area to play a an exhibition game against 18 year olds.
0: Why? Under 18.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just like, can you, you could have fit that into one of your other road trips. Like, is this really worth the, Probably twenty hour round trip flight. I don't know. I, I realize this is very minor, but I just I don't see that as being making any sense.
0: <laughs> that includes a f- they went up, or oh that was at home against RPI where they played them four straight a
1: four four gamer
0: yeah Friday Saturday Tuesday Wednesday yeah they started one in twelve. Bunch, of, bunch really, of
1: overtime, bunch of overtime losses in there. So that was a little deceiving. I thought they were decent, um, like mid twenties and pair wise.
0: They had a good stretch in there where you know they beat Vermont, they swept Arizona State, they swept Saint Thomas, they beat the Gophers, Sluice.
1: which that that so. that that uh, exploded some brains over in Gopherland.
0: Um, yeah, a U.S. under eighteen. I thought I thought those they better hey, they better go down
1: there they better get on there and win by nine like if you're gonna God. make that trip for no other reason I guess you got to get it you get schedule as many games as you can if you're Alaska I guess they're still uh, yeah they're still under the uh, the the maximum so yeah uh, I just yeah, think that's so. for a school that you know again talking about they're on the you know life support the money issues and all that stuff do, do you really need to make this trip
0: I, I don't know. Uh, Questions. Um, You know, a friend of the show, Dan Jacobson, uh, what do the Bulldogs need to do to beat the Huskies? Score more goals? That would help. Uh, That that would help. Um, But in all seriousness, or at least somewhat seriousness, uh, you know, obviously getting out to the lead, um, I, I think is, is, is the best and putting pressure on our defense and try to cause turnovers that way. And I think they were, you know we're talking about the penalty or the power play, and I think that a lot of that has to do is how aggressive the Bulldogs were on the penalty kill and able to kind of create a couple chances and way short handed. So I, I think if they were able to you know really up the tenacity and kind of stay that way, which you know Bulldogs easily can do, uh, I think that's kind of the way that they could beat St. Cloud.
1: Yeah, I mean as we've mentioned. Earlier in the show, this is going to be a real tough, tight series. It's going to go either way. I would expect one goal games in each game, and so yeah, I, limiting mistakes too. I mean, as you mentioned, they're, they tend to be an opportunistic team, uh, using momentum and then also capitalizing on on mistakes of the opponent. We saw that Saint Cloud was able to limit the mistakes, especially on Saturday night, and kind of gave Duluth a dose of their own medicine by by capitalizing on their bad turnover which, uh, which um, created that second goal, which the 2 on 0 play, yeah. it kind of started from a bad uh, defensive uh, giveaway at the blue line. Uh, so, Well,
0: oh, and Cronulla's goal, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's another yes. key. I mean, it always comes down, it's, it's, it's just limiting the mistakes from either side. And whoever, do, whoever wins that sort of the turnover battle uh, is probably going to win the series.
0: Um, Eric asked for MVPs of the weekend. Obviously, we had the uh Go Huskies Woo segment. Um, but, um, he he uh, kind of shouted out with uh Lukey's burst of energy, Fitzgerald. Um, you know, for um a lot of his play over the weekend. Um, and obviously Rennick as well. Yeah, but yeah, Lukey, I thought had. You know, some really good plays, some really bad plays. Yeah, I kind of stuck out a little bit more.
1: I agree. At the beginning of Saturday's game, he was flying and he was looking great. Again, that first five, seven minutes or whatever that I said, he was one of the standouts of that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I put him on my note sheet as well, as far as, you know, put a star by his name. I erased the star later because he he had a couple of bad turnovers later in the game. And uh, yeah, it didn't he lost the steam a little bit as the game wore on so still i mean he's my rookie of the year this year freshman of the year if you will he's really impressed me uh, overall this this season but yeah he he showed the flashes but then also had you know showed some uh showed some, a little bit of the downside as well as that you could be that overly aggressive uh, style can come back to bite you and we saw that uh we saw that a little bit too
0: um and then uh last one and I think it's kind of fitting here. Actually, it was uh, asked last episode, and I missed it. But it's kind of uh, fitting here at the end of the regular season. Who is your kind of um, your most important player of of, of this season? And, um, you know, they brought up a good point, And I think it was actually, I don't know if it was um, the... Uh, uh Jeffrey Wood who said or if it was somebody in his section. Um you know, let me let me check the tweet quick. Oh, it was actually Bill Prout. Um has advanced the idea that uh Micah Miller is the team MVP candidate. Um plays in all positions, a Swiss Army knife. Um you know can you you know kind of wanted our thoughts on that. And he does, you know, obviously take plus-minus with how many grains of salt um, in, you know, the, the the Dead Sea. But, you know, he does lead the team in plus-minus um, with, with 17. Um, he does play in all positions except the power play, which I actually want to see him on. And I think he could do a better job than Nolan Walker has. And, um, you know, for... Micah, it's kind of been an interesting career for Micah, where I I expected a little bit more out of him from a point production standpoint throughout his career. But everything he has done, you know, this last year especially, and even, you know, the year before too, um, that that shortened year he had a he had a solid season as well. But you know obviously this season he's taken it up to a whole another level. But he has been. I think, yeah, just kind of your Swiss Army knife, you in you any situation you could put him on, I feel comfortable. And I I think there's a solid case you can make for that. I think you still give it to Henches just because of how different the team is. Is with him in the alignment versus with him out of it, and I know maybe that's an easy answer. Uh, when you pick the Olympian, um, but that's I, I feel like you can make a solid argument for Mike and Miller, and he's definitely on the top of my list of favorite Huskies on this team.
1: Yeah, he's probably, I mean, he might be my favorite player. Uh, that's different than best, certainly, and it's different than. I mean, most important, maybe we're getting the semantics here. Most important is that, I kind of hear most valuable as well in that. Would, yeah. would that be correct? Because I was actually yes. thinking about that during the game on Saturday, who my MVP would be. I might actually go with Fitzgerald. That, that's who I kind of landed on. Uh, and he just does, I mean, he's, what you said with Miller, I think is a and lot of, a lot is- of that with Fitzgerald.
0: And being a center for Fitzgerald helps. Versus yes. Yes. Milding and,
1: and I just, I think Hentges, I agree. He's maybe the most dynamic player on the team. I just, he wasn't in the lineup for so much of the season. And, and so again, we might be getting into some, and that's where the valuable as as,
0: portion. Yeah. And that, that's how The debate yes. about MVP. Yes.
1: and whatnot. So. Right. But so right. I, I think we're circling around kind of similar thoughts here. Um, and maybe I'm just going with, I just feel like Fitzgerald's value has been has been a little bit better. He does a lot of things that don't show up in the score sheet. Plus, he's a point per game player. And so I do think that I would give him the and Perbix. I think it would be up there as well. Um, And so there's there's a lot of contenders. That's a good thing to not have one obvious choice. And, And getting back to Miller, interested to see if he comes back for a fifth year. It's a possibility for him. Uh, and that might be an opportunity, as we mentioned, I think in one of the earlier shows this year, looking at, yeah, Miller's point production really wasn't there the first couple of years. Got to keep in mind, I mean, he came on board here in a juggernaut situation Yeah, that's that true. first year. I mean, tough to get uh, ice time, uh, as a freshman on the number one team in pairwise. Well, now he has risen to the top as far as him mean, from an experience level. And then just the growth of his game where he is deserving of top line, second line minutes, whatever, whatever you call that line, that Fitzgerald and Kupka, that's been a, a very consistent line this year. And so uh, I'm excited. I would almost expect him to come back because I'm not going to, I don't see uh you know, a pro career necessarily from him. He's a little small on the small side. And so I'm not going to think, I'm not going to imagine that he's going to have opportunity to, sign an NHL contract more power to him, but I would be pretty shocked if that were the case. So he's a guy that sort of sticks out as potentially coming back for a fifth year. And that might, he might be that Fitzgerald next year for you. So, and like I said, one of my, one of, if not my favorite player, just to watch um, from a game by game standpoint, you're, you're guaranteed a top notch effort. He's never going to take games off. He's never going to be like a, a Walker where we're like, where is he? Uh, he, yeah. he doesn't, he's not a disappearing type of player, uh, wherever and he, not you know, only Not only
0: when you say he's not going to take games off, you're not, he's not going to take shifts right. off. Right. It's yeah. and you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what situation he's in. Um, he's going to give it his all. And the fact that he does that and also doesn't take any penalties. Right. Um, which you know i did well, he better he choice. better not
1: who would who would who would kill off his penalty
0: <laughs> who would kill off his penalties yeah i mean he's only had six penalty minutes all year at time but um mm-hmm. you know just to see him um you know just be as dynamic as he is it it's just ah oh, uh, he is a heck of a player to watch and i really hope he does execute his covid year and and, and comes back out i would love to see him another yeah year. Mm-hmm. agreed well, that about does it. Uh, thank you so much, uh, everybody, for uh, uh, listening in to our, uh, you know, longest podcast. You know, it's or at least it's up there. So unless I edit it down quite a bit, who knows? So, uh, but uh, until next time, you know, uh, you know, make sure you watch the games, go to the games if you can, uh, and uh, cheer on this Husky team. And uh, you know, hopefully um you know we can have uh Chuck clausen uh, yes who is his his last um his last uh foray here for uh Huskies hockey 32 years uh behind the mic and the PA announcing and unfortunately um was in the hospital here not too long ago so he uh had to miss out on the last home series um but you know hopefully uh, things gets uh love to hear that woo again hopefully so. we get
1: a couple a couple last woos out of them so
0: um well until next time uh thank you so much for listening again and reach out to me at more clappers if you have uh, any questions comments about the podcast or you can email us and yep. what's that email
1: huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com
0: that sounds good well uh until next time go, go. huskies woo